0: Where should I start if I want to pivot careers? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And in our interview segment, we have Eileen Squires Lacour, a beautiful photographer and badass accountant. We hope you enjoy the episode today, and remember, Something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. Where should I start if I want to pivot careers? I'm often asked this question by people who come to me and they are considering working with me as a coach. And one of the first things that they ask is, I want to pivot and I don't know how. Can you support me with that? So I'd like to take a look today around where would you start? The first thing I would have you look at is what's the reason that you want to pivot? Are you bored or are you frustrated with your team or your boss that's currently happening right now? Or are you genuinely interested in rebuilding and redesigning the next 10 years of your life? I'm often reminded that the choices we make today will set the tone for the next 10 to 15 years. Sometimes that's a hard concept for me to think about. But when I look back about the choices I made even seven years ago, I can see how I clearly chose the path that I've been on. So that's scary. I think it's important that you get support from somebody like a consultant or a recruiter or a coach that can help you decide and see what's next for you. A pivot can be life-changing and it can be very, very scary at the same time. So that's the first thing is get to the why. Why do you want to pivot, and what will it provide you? The second thing is, what are the skills that you already possess that could support this pivot? I would just sit down and list them out and look at them on paper. The third thing is is, who do you know that could actually support you in this pivot? So mentors, friends, anybody that could really give you insight into the new space that you're looking to occupy? Call them up, take them out for a cup of coffee or a drink and sit down and have a conversation about why they love the job they're in and what are the pitfalls that they see. And then lastly, sit with it for a while. I think oftentimes when we're in crunch mode, like we need to make a decision right away or we feel like bonuses are coming up at the end of the year, that's when people start to put pressure to do something about it right now as opposed to really sitting with the idea or the thought of what is next. So take some time to sit with it. And the last thing is, give yourself a deadline. By when will you actually make a move? Whether that's giving your resignation or taking that interview or scheduling somebody to rewrite your resume. So choose powerfully when you'll actually make that move. Today I have with me Eileen Squires lacourt She is a fire passionate woman, a powerhouse really is what I want to say, but I've been using that word a lot. So the things that I would use to describe her are adventure, play, joy, sass, and fire. Eileen, thank you so much for being here and being with us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm so flattered that you find my careers of choice to be something other people that might be listening to this will identify with.
0: Oh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. that um, everything you're up to, people are going to resonate with completely. So tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do. Yeah, so I'm I Eileen mean, Squires
1: LaCourt. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, After I finished college, I moved to New York, and I lived there a while. I lived there 13 years. I'm totally dating myself now. And I married a New Yorker, and I convinced him to come west. And so we came back to L.A. in 2016, um, and we have two small daughters who are almost two and four and a half. And so life is very full and a little chaotic under these times of the pandemic, um and what i do for work is a lot of things actually i mean i would describe myself as a multi-hyphenate and that's like a fancy word for a hustler i think i've been an entrepreneur since as far as i can remember i mean i was like slaying friendship bracelets in like third grade you know and that that's (laughs) just part of who i am but i own two small businesses i am a photographer Mm -hmm. which i have been doing about 10 years now and I was trained at the International Center of Photography in New York. I shoot mostly nonprofits, small businesses, and people. My passion is people like Elena. Um, I love small businesses that are owned by women, creative small businesses that are owned by women. That's like my pressure point. And I like working with kids because I I was formerly a teacher. The other small business I run is called Squires Tax Preparation, and it's a tax preparation business. in in the same vein, I work with the same population, creatives, mostly women who are afraid to talk about their money with someone that's not a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, so they come to me and I've been doing that for 15 years now. I, I became certified to do that in 2005. Yeah. So I run both of those businesses now. And I also do teach still in a very small capacity. Um, I teach photography and digital media to middle and high school city students in the inner city.
0: That's amazing. I mean, that's why you're called a multi-hyphenate <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
1: yeah basically
0: <laughs> that word is used a lot with you um well i want to go back to a second to your first uh profession photography that's how we met um yeah and I, just, I remember I, I hired you because you were recommended to me specifically for what you said i remember when the re- referral came through they said eileen is the woman to go to because she's supporting other women growing their businesses. And I was a brand new coach when we did our first shoot together. Oh, yeah. How many years ago was that? Oh, gosh. I I don't know. I think it was like over five, five years ago when I was like, I need a good photographer. Who shall I find? And I just remember how safe you made me feel. Like you were so warm and so welcoming and you had such great ideas. And I had this certain feel that I wanted and no idea how to describe it. (laughs) photographer. And just all the questions you asked made me feel really um, comfortable. And I'll tell you what, I still use those photos, even though they're over five years now. Um, People love them. They speak to them and and they they see them and they're just like, this photo is beautiful. That's who you are. So tell me, who are some of your favorite people that you've, you've, and not necessarily their names, but what types of clients really get you excited? Well, you know, I, I think that when you're starting any business the first clients you're ever going to have
1: are people in your inner circle right and Mm. so the women in my inner circle were all like me they were all like 30 something entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs that were starting businesses and this was before like i feel like when i moved to la everyone i met was a freelancer you know this is 2016 right but i've been a freelancer for more than 10 years now so i feel like you know, I've been in the game long before like social media determined like who you were going to meet and whatnot. So I think those freelance sisters are powerful people because like you, they they do the upsell for you. They tell their friends, their clients, their co-workers about whatever service you're offering. And then those people are interested and they come to you and then they're, they're not even that interested in like the nitty gritty of what you do, but they already trust that you're going to provide them with what they need. And that's sort of how I run both of my businesses. I think um, my, you know, my husband's in sales and he says like what they teach you in sales trainings is to just listen to your client. And I really try very hard to do that because I can tell you there's been a lot of times where I felt like I was purchasing a service in which whoever was servicing me wasn't listening to my needs. And so I try not to be that person.
0: (laughs) Well, and that translates directly, it sounds like into the tax business as well. Oh, totally. I mean, that... You know, before I moved here,
1: my business was service, some educators and small business owners in New York and a lot of actors like people who don't who are kind of like working off the grid, like maybe have mm. um, not traditional like w two payments, you know, they're like gig workers or whatever. And so you know they, their situations can be complicated like they might have like me many jobs or many 1099s or many employers they don't have bookkeeping like they're just a little disorganized because nobody tells you that to run a like a successful business you need to be good at whatever the service or product is but then you also need to be good at the business stuff and unless you can afford to hire a team of people that can do that work for you you're doing it all yourself at the beginning So you need to be good at, a little bit good at both of those things. Um, And so I try to empower, especially my female tax clients and my female photo clients to like know a lot about their service or in terms of taxes, like know a lot about their finances, because without like financial stability, you can't pursue whatever art you're working on or whatever your business is. And that for me is like, first and foremost, you have to have like healthy financial habits to pursue whatever drives you. And so I I learned that quickly as a photographer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. So now we're in this weird time, right? Of COVID and you are in a profession where you had to like be with people in person. So I'm curious, like what have you done to pivot during this time?
1: Definitely. I mean, this is, it's a hard time. I think for someone like me, I'm I'm very lucky and blessed that I have a lot of skills that can be marketable in a time in which we're all stuck at home. So that, that's that been like working to my favor, like 110%. Um, but one thing I did when this first happened was that I kind of expanded my servicing for taxes because I found that it was a time where people were scaling back in their actual work, but then maybe doing more reflecting about how to improve their businesses and being more strategic about their money and their investments and and just better organizing themselves so that they, that was like one thing they didn't have to worry about when this was over. And so I expanded my servicing, which means that beyond doing just taxes, I started doing like a lot of um, talks and collaborations with other sort of money professionals. And when I say money professionals, I have a partner who's a CPA. So I work with her a ton because she knows like a lot of the legal stuff I don't know, you know, but we collaborate a lot. And together we collaborated with like a money coach. We um, collaborated with a bookkeeper. We collaborated with a financial advisor, all women. And, And I think that presenting ourselves in this way was really powerful. We spoke to a lot of people, especially women who were either had like lost their jobs, or um, were like working furloughed, like working abbreviated hours, but maybe thinking about starting a business. And we spoke to them and like, they came to us and hired us to like help them start their businesses. So that, that was one way I pivoted. The other thing I think, which is so hard for creatives to do, um, and it's especially hard for me because I have two small kids at home, is to take a sort of sabbatical from your creative work or to think about doing a project. Like if I didn't have two kids at home, I'd probably do something more creative in my Photography work and work on like a pandemic project. But I, honestly, there's no time for a pandemic project right now. My pandemic project is keeping two tiny humans alive. You're
0: humans. Mm-hmm. Like, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, I I try to take the pressure off myself to like create and make money and whatever and just sort of, I and, and know this sounds very West Coast, but have faith in the process and know that like I've worked very hard to establish these businesses over the years, a decade or more, and they're not going to go away. But even though I'm not doing a lot of work right now, that I have faith in the everyday, like that there's other things that are going to come to me. And so um, I've picked up more hours teaching other students, which is really empowering for me because I'm a people person, I like working with people. Um, And I'm still talking about things I love. I love digital media, it's the future. And I love thinking about empowering other people And that's sort of like a tagline in all businesses now that I'm thinking about it in this conversation I love empowering people to to feel like they they can do something
0: oh man I love it because I can hear the hustler mentality and the the Harlem edge girl (laughs) Well, people don't talk about it you know they don't want to talk about like
1: financial (laughs) things that to me is like something I want to demystify for women like why don't we talk about our salaries together like I have a great example, a great story. I have a girlfriend who works in entertainment here in Los Angeles. One of my closest friends; I've been friends twenty years. Yeah. Not once did we ever talk about her financial health. I always assumed she made really great money. She works in entertainment, that's sort of the epicenter of Los Angeles. Casually, in a conversation over the pandemic, she told me in her last negotiation for her job. This is someone who's my age. She she wouldn't take less than two fifteen like two hundred and fifteen grand for her job and I was like wow like I was really shocked because I'm like I know people in entertainment make money but I was like I didn't know like what the dollar amount looked like yeah. and I thought wow like that's a lot of money you know and then I it, it spiraled into a bunch of other things but I think that you know we should be talking about money more because it's not commonplace for women especially women. Business owners to be talking about like what their financials look like.
0: Well and it's so hush hush, right Because there's I, I mean I think that there's still a stigma and shame around it, which is so funny because like whose measuring stick are we using? if we all like are just <laughs> honest about it <laughs> then we know where we're at. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And, well, and also like, why don't you
1: want to know, like, for example, I have a lot of photographer friends again, like there's just weird proprietary, like caring for your business where you don't talk about like your financials. Right. But I love talking about them because if someone's making more than me, I want to know how they're doing it, you know? And I want, <laughs> and I think that that's just the bottom line. Like you've got to think about how to, acquire business, sustain business, like these are all things that are at the forefront of my mind. And like some things are tried and true and you'll just learn over time, but you want to get from point A to point B a little quicker. you got to put some people in your corner to like, you know, help you and also maybe have like what we're talking about, uncomfortable
0: conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that are willing to, to just be authentic with you. It sounds like, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are some of the, like i call them in coaching limiting beliefs but they're like stories or th- things that are like another speaker called them gremlins on your shoulders like what are what are those stories that you're telling yourself that you had to give up this year cuz i I've, I've had different stories on my shoulder this year that i've had to yeah. like release what are yours Oh, I I call it like the eighth grade girl inside of me. That's like constantly like, you know, in the
1: cafeteria talking about myself. Um, One is that I can't make a living as a freelancer. And that's something I, that's like a conversation I have with myself, like hmm, five times a year. It's definitely happening a lot more now with the pandemic because I have a lot more time to sit with my thoughts. Um, That's one. And I've proved myself wrong on multiple occasions. Uh, It can happen. You just, you have, you know, yes. Okay. That's one belief. Um, the other belief is that this is something I'm still working through. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners, viewers will, this will resonate with them is that it's, I can't be a working mom. I mean, I am a working mom, but it is really hard and it is really hard to find balance. It does not exist. Like running a business is like having a child. Like it needs a lot of attention to be good at it. You've got to be like 110%. And like, that's, that's hard when you have kids because you, they also need you under 10% and you're not being compensated directly for that. You know, it's like, these are all elective choices women make.
0: So yeah, those two things are, are conversations that that have been coming to the forefront a lot. Well, and you, you have babies too. You have little ones at home, right? So I'm curious because you're still creating. That's why, that's why I called you up because I'm like, (laughs) I'm So powerful! What are you doing to balance your world right now? Knowing there's no such thing as balance, I agree with you. Like there's there's only choices. But what are the choices you've been making to have both move forward? Like growing your beautiful babies and growing your business.
1: I think you have to create some routines. Like I I played sports my entire life. Um, I also like was in a lot of. I don't know what to call them, like affinity type groups. Like my parents just kept me busy. They did not want me at home. Um, And that was like the best thing they could have ever done for me. But in playing sports, I learned that routines are what create success, like essentially. And so I try to create those for myself. I try very hard to create clear boundaries. It's hard. You know, this is my office space. It's also my gym. Um, you know, there's also a closet with my husband's Yeah. (laughs) So welcome to the the study. Um, so it's a lot of things. I don't have that transitional time where I could like commute to like a sitter or school where I have 20 minutes to decompress for my day so I can get ready for my second act as mom. Like now I'm just like walking out the door and there, there they are waiting for me and they're waiting as eagerly as everyone else in my day to be entertained and cultivated and watered. So I try to create those boundaries where, like, when I'm done working, I try to put my phone away. That That is, like, first and foremost, like, because the phone is such a distraction. I try not to put a lot of pressure on myself, which is also another eighth-grade conversation over here telling me, like, I'm not a good mom. So I, I try to – my daughter does do – my older daughter does do homeschooling, but I try to spend, like, one hour of uninterrupted time together doing something – you know that will help them thrive whether that's cooking together we have started gardening since this pandemic started like working in the garden we we bought a fixer upper at the end of last year it was great timing we have a lot of things to fix um and we do these all together i also try to think about like their physical health and i like take them places where they can get what they need outdoors for myself i try to wake every day an hour before everyone else and i do like a moving meditation i either jog walk hike or ride a bike. I I usually listen to podcasts during that time. So it's not exactly silent, but I do feel like that really fills my bucket and sets the tone for the day. So if I don't get that hour before the rest of (laughs) the land rises, it's usually a rough, it's a harder day for me. So those routines have helped me feel a little more stable. The other thing is like, this is the hardest thing I think for especially new entrepreneurs to do is to say no, have boundaries. You know, if it's not aligned with what you want for your business or what you want right now, then you just have to say no. And I made that mistake a lot even before this pandemic when it came to, like, getting paid. A lot of times I would say yes, even when I, it wasn't aligned with the values of my businesses and, and it never led to what I wanted. So I
0: think that's something I've learned. you gotta, you got to have boundaries to say no when it doesn't feel right. Those are so good. Thanks for sharing all those tips. <laughs> Um, what's one thing that this pandemic has taught you that you didn't know about yourself before, if anything? Oh, um,
1: geez. I think I'm much more resilient than I like give myself credit for that. Like the bounce back's pretty good, you know, considering (laughs) the circumstances. Yeah, I would say that. Um, Yeah. And that, you know, I think this was always very evident for me. It was that like working with my hands is really important to like my mental health, my overall happiness. Mm. And so creating opportunities to do that has really made me very happy. So like I mentioned before, like um working in a garden, making things like, I, I feel like it gives me a lot of satisfaction to work with my hands, which, you know, nowadays we're just on a computer a lot of the time. And that, so yeah. more now more than ever, you need to like get outdoors and do something for yourself
0: experience real life nature yes (laughs) not the computer I love that as we're on the computer but (laughs) here's what I really want to know let's see okay so you're this fantastic creative artist that's how I hold you with photography I mean I think I, I really do think it's an artistic quality you have to be creative to be able to do these beautiful images that you do and you are an entrepreneur. You you have your hands in so many different businesses, which I love because I'm kind of like, what else can I <laughs> learn in the world? You know? Yeah. Um, no. So through that lens of being an artist and a creator in the world and an entrepreneur, what do you hope to see on the other side of this? So, you know, what do you what do you hope that your work is going to disrupt in the world? Um, I mean, I think it goes back to what we were talking about a few
1: minutes ago about empowerment. Like I I get a lot of gratification out of empowering people. Now, did I think by the age I'm at now, I was going to be a millionaire? Yes. Um, and sometimes I'm still waiting for that moment, you know, and then there's times where I'm like, everything I have is what I need, and I am so blessed to have these things and to have this opportunity to work for myself and to make a living you know, most businesses die after three to five years because people just don't have that grit. And I see that a lot now in my networking, that newish entrepreneurs are not ready for what, what it is. Like you got to have a stomach for no. And I I have that, like, I know, you know, I've, I, I understand that there's like a cycle, it's cyclical, it's seasonal, like there's ups and downs to every business, every relationship. And I, I'm here for it. You know, like I ride the waves. And even when it's really hard, because during this pandemic, I know all of us have had those doubts. I just try to remind myself that there's like the sunny day waiting and it might not come tomorrow, but it's going to come. And it usually does. It always does. But it, you've got to have the resilience and patience and a little bit of grit. <laughs> that is your superpower, resilience and patience. It's everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, and I didn't totally answer that question. Again, like my brain is like the emoji with the cracked... <laughs> you know that's how i feel all of the day um i hope on the other side of this that you know like i said people feel empowered both financially um i hope that the few clients i've had this year will feel that way too with their photos like the way you spoke about the way what you felt when you received your collection like i hope that that's what the handful of clients i've worked with this year will feel about their work and that it'll be enough to carry me through to the other side of this pandemic and if not I'm confident that you know that this time will translate to something new like a new career I also think like I I think I mentioned this before like that you know obviously this digital living is the future right like this is what it is for all of us it's not it doesn't discriminate like if you want to Run a business or be present or whatever, you have to do this. Yeah. Um, And I think that in my work working with like inner city youth, like that I'm empowering them to learn that, like to use the tools they have to share their ideas, their voice. And, you know, for some of them, I hope it will lead them down the path of like a creative career. Because if someone would have told me that at, I don't know, they're like 13, 13 to 16. I think I would have become a creative much sooner, but I didn't have that voice in my life to tell me that you could make a living being a multi-hyphenate or multi producer.
0: Yeah. So I literally, I hear that you teach them and, and bring the voice to them that says that they can do this. It's just, it's possible even now, right. even in a pandemic, you're doing it. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that everybody, as much as I need like that, that burst of light in my day, like I'm happy to be that for someone else. Cause it, I, I believe it's like cyclical, you know, like what you give is what you get. And as entrepreneurs, a lot of times are looking for dollars. Like, and, you know, that's important. I have mentioned that more than once in this conversation, but I think what's bigger than that is about like, this exchange of energy and the feeling you leave people with. I mean, when you introduced me at the beginning of this conversation, you didn't say anything about what you paid me. You talked mostly about like what you felt, um, what the the product was. Um, And that's generally what people are purchasing is an experience. And I think as much as as we can prepare people for this type of economy, because those experiences are gonna live beyond this pandemic and even through this pandemic, as much as we can prepare youth and ourselves for that, I think the better off we'll all be.
0: Oh man, that's so good. And I love that because it's true. People don't buy products, they do, but they buy mm-hmm. experiences and who they believe in. That's at totally. least my, my experience with it. So
1: I used to make these rules of, and some of them really ring true. Like I used to say, you know, the, my best kind of client in any business is someone I'd want to be friends with. Because in both types of work, in all the work I've ever done, it's extremely intimate. So like if you don't like somebody or you don't, there's not, a, it's not a good fit. Like it's going to be a really hard job and nobody left their day job to have a really hard job, you know, like you already did that. So that's what <laughs> I tell myself all the time. I'm like, I don't, they don't need to be my best friend, but do they have other people in their circles that I want to touch and work with? Mm-hmm. Probably. Or no, like you know, I ask myself that question a lot when I get a new client, um, especially one that hasn't been referred to me. Like, right. so I don't know anything about them. Like, are they someone that is going to help me grow or stay stagnant? Like, that those are questions that are important to ask yourself when you're
0: acquiring new business. That's amazing. Um, any other advice you would have given the younger version of yourself? Oh, um
1: you know i like wrote some of this down i i have so much advice (laughs) i i think i think it's really important now this is like the financial person in me talking and i think fine like money has like a cultural component like whatever you grew up with thinking and feeling about money is usually what you become as an adult um so i grew up my father's jewish and he's like super tight on the pockets um and he's really frugal but i learned so much about life you know, in his shadow, yeah. and I then I subsequently married a banker who, you know, I, that's all I need to say. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that money is really important, but I think that when you talk about time, like you can't get time back. So, what I tell a lot of young people, I have a new like twenty five year old college student that's like watching my kids a couple times a week. She asked me for all this advice, and I was like, "You can't get this time back." I know it sucks. We're in a pandemic. It's Will at some point hopefully be over on the other side of this. And I said, but you can't get this time back. So maybe you don't have any money, but you have a ton of time. And that's a huge asset in your life. You know, like you need to do things now. You're not going to do when you're my age with two kids at home and all these businesses and all, you know, elderly parents and a mortgage. Like you can't do all those things. You can't just buy a ticket with your tax return and go to Europe. Like you could do that now. So I'm like, do the adventures now because when you're young, because you can't get that time back but i think that what i learned from growing up with my father and then like (laughs) marrying into a family that you know is also very money conscious is that like preparing for the future is a little balance of like the now and the later and so you don't want to overdo it on either end you want to find what works for you so you want to have the now and enjoy it but you also want to set yourself up to be a little comfortable when you reach Retirement, because no one wants. Listen, no one wants to work for anyone else forever. But you may want to work for yourself forever. I don't know. That's you. Know, that's no,
0: a, I definitely don't. I want. <laughs> I want to not be working at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that's when I talk about
1: money, it's a lot of it for me it's just talking about freedom. Like I just don't. I like my time is monetized and like, it took me 10 years to get to that point. It took me to have kids to get to that point where I was like, oh no, yeah, my dollar, my my time is worth more now because it's so expensive for me to be doing X or Y. So that, and then I think like, um, you know, the other thing I my I had a mentor. That's another thing I didn't mention at all in this conversation, but that I would be nothing I would not be who I was without mentors. Like mentorship is very important. And I think there's a farce in believing that a mentor has to be more seasoned than you. I think a mentor mm-hmm. can be someone younger than you, mm-hmm. but they might know more about your the discipline you're wishing to learn about. So mentorship is vital. Like get yourself a mentor or two or three. And, you know, it's like that's the best thing you could do for yourself. But going back to what I would tell myself 20 years ago or whatever, is that that one of my mentors told me, you know, Uh, every five years your values will change she told me this in like when I was in college and I was like really like it seems like you know what feels so important to me right now like how can this not be important to me 20 years from now and now fast forward I'm like oh she was absolutely right you know there's a baseline of values you have but in terms of doing business they're gonna be there's like these evergreen values and then there's like the cultural values that are constantly shifting so you know, what feels like an enormity today, like that test in psychology and one oh, psych, psych 101 is not going to be important when you're 40 years old. Well, that's you so know, good. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to care. No one cares. No to one. be really honest, no one cares about your grades. Like I, I think this economy we're working in now is sort of a free for all, you know, it's like, yeah. if you've got a marketing plan, um, and you're kind of cute, you present well, you're well-spoken, maybe you've been a couple places, like you can go pretty far. And I think that, oh, the other thing I would say too, and this is something I'm not great at, I'm still learning, I'm still growing, is becoming an expert, like a niche expert. Mm-hmm. Because once you become an expert, you become very valuable. Yeah, you can give it oh, yeah. Right, so once yeah. I became very niche in like the work I was doing and just saying it aloud, those clients started coming to me and at first it felt kind of like magic but then I was like this isn't magic I'm just being like deliberate with what I want and you know like me saying like I want to work with creative entrepreneurs and then them coming isn't like happenstance it's very strategic you know and I think that we these things should be taught in school but they're not like it's the school of life the school of common sense
0: that's so brilliant yeah. Thanks for sharing all that it's super cool um okay last question so if you had a megaphone and you had to make a big statement to the world leading them into next year what would you say based on everything you had so much goodness in this (laughs) (laughs) so how would you narrow it down for one statement oh gosh um I mean I think that if you
1: I, I was fortunate enough to grow up to be a college student in the early 2000s, to be unprofessional in the early 2000s, I know what the benefits are of a democracy. If you care about the future of this country, like, you've got to exercise your right, you know, and not beyond that, like, we're beyond just going to the polls at this point, where it's like, you need to talk to your friends, you need to talk to your friends' friends, you need to talk to your family members. Um, That you know, there's a bigger conversation that needs to go on about our freedom, I I worry a lot about the future. um, Oh, yeah. And and I'm faithful that we will be okay. Um, But, I I mean, I know what what the good life was. Like, I lived through it, and I just just want that for my kids, you know? Well,
0: yeah, and that's the beautiful piece. We've been there, so we can go there again, and we can build something completely different as well if we all get it together. (laughs) Get it together. Yeah, you got to
1: be yeah I say I'm (laughs) faithful in either circumstance but if you ask me what's at the forefront of my mind every day when I wake up that is it
0: (laughs) oh my gosh Eileen, thank you so much you are a firecracker and I love you I've always loved your sass I love your mindset I love who you are for women Um, and I'm just so honored that you would be here so thank you so much for your time
1: oh thank you so much Elena I'm so honored to be on the show and I hope I've, talk, I've spoken to somebody that's out there listening.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. In a Manner of Speaking is an original podcast hosted by me, Elena Armijo, and produced by the following amazing team. Sam DeSanto in Creative Direction. Meg McCarley, Brand Designer in Social Media. Rye Taylor, Podcast Design Strategist and Producer. Rajan Noh, Business Writer. John Beethan, President Imagine Podcasting and music by J. Aaron Boykin. Thank you so much for joining us.